Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Have you got your Bibles this morning? Who's got their Bible? Yep. yep, excellent. Who's got a real Bible? Oh, I'm so impressed. Look at that. That's amazing. Who's on a device today? Yeah? All right. So if you've got your real Bible or your, your device, you know, um, either way, you can turn them to um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 is where we're heading this morning. A few years ago, my mum gave me a call and, uh, and she gave me this big box to take home. And in this box was all of my childhood stuff, all my exercise books, all my school photos. Anyone ever been given a box like that from your parents, you know, because they're doing a bit of a clear out and it's time, you know, for all of that stuff to come live at your place now. And um, anyway, so I'm searching through this box and in this old box were also all of my school reports from the age of five all the way through to high school. And um, reading through those school reports again, this is a few years ago, I came to a conclusion that I think that teachers these days are either a lot more kind or more politically correct, or maybe there's things that they're not even allowed to say anymore, but maybe it's what you don't say that counts. But, uh, you see, when I was reading my school reports, and particularly when I was five and six years old, because um, I started life in Australia, I was born in Aussie, don't hate me. Hey, it's all good, come on, you've got to extend love to me too. <laughs> love thy enemy, amen, come on. So, um, I was born in Aussie, and uh, you know, one thing about Aussies is that they don't hold back what they think. <laughs> You know, they're very forward in what they think. And I tell you what, I grew up in Australia in the 1980s. And in Australia in the 1980s, the teachers, honestly, all I could say about my report card was that it was brutal. It was brutal. Absolutely. In fact, my wife read my five-year-old report card and she cried. Literally. She couldn't, she couldn't believe that teachers could say such terrible things. Having to admit, though, I was a bit of a handful. I will admit that. Probably nothing's changed, to be honest. But uh, I was a handful, absolutely. I had a few kind of personal issues and things going on at that time. And, um, you know, I reckon that I was probably the kid that every teacher was trying to get out of their class. You know, when the teachers come together at the start of the year and draw the short straws for who's going to be in their class, I reckon I was the short straw. <laughs> and, uh, no, honestly, hey, I was, uh, you know, I probably deserved pretty much everything that was coming to me in that report. Anyway, um, I moved to New Zealand and I came across a teacher actually when I was seven years old who changed my life because she actually took an interest in me and she helped me walk through a lot of the stuff that I had walked through. It was amazing actually. I hadn't seen her for years and years and we were walking along Bucklands Beach about what, four years ago? And uh, suddenly, you know, I saw this lady um, being wheeled in a wheelchair past me and I was like, I think that's my old teacher. And Nika looks at me and goes, you're crazy. I'm like, no, I think it is. So I ran back and it was. And I got to reconnect with her after all those years. It was amazing. But, uh, you know, that really kind of changed my life massively. I just want to encourage, actually, if you're a teacher here today, um, just uh, want to encourage you, man, the, the impact that you can have on a life. Uh, man, honestly, that really set me up, having this teacher who actually just believed in me and who had some time for me. Anyway, as I got into high school, um, my report cards got generally better. But as, as I got into high school, school, I kind of had this knack of being able to get reasonably good grades without working too hard. Anyone else? 
Yep, you know that? <laughs> Others like you hate me already. Okay, that's fine. But, you know, all of my report cards were always saying things like, you know, Peter has lots of potential, <laughs> but he needs to apply himself. <laughs> if Peter would work harder in this particular subject, he could really achieve great... Did anyone ever get comments like that? A few? Okay, yeah. My, my buddy down the back. Oh, yeah, there we go. You know, so um, I was getting... Because you see, the thing is that at that point, the teachers could see potential in me, but that potential, though wasn't going to just develop all by itself. I had to partner. I had to do something to actually see that potential begin to rise. Amen? You know, and one of the last times that I was here, um, I spoke out of the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. You know, for, we are God's workmanship, created for good works in Christ Jesus that he has prepared beforehand for us to walk in. And I, I, I brought it down to that we've been made by God, for God, to reveal God. Anyone remember that message? Yeah, awesome. And, you know, I want to continue with that theme a little bit this morning. I was kind of excited this week, actually, when I caught up with Pastor James, because uh, I didn't know, but he said that you guys are starting a bit of a theme on spiritual alignments and actually starting kind of, you know, the whole idea of moving in line with what God has got for your life. And, uh, you know, um, that's pretty much what I'm going to be speaking about today as well. I, I got this message a few weeks ago while I was praying. I actually read the scripture in the Bible and immediately I felt like the Lord said, that's your message for Faith Point. But it was just super cool to, to catch up with James and discover that it's actually perfectly in line with what you guys are talking about. Isn't that a God thing? Isn't that awesome? So we're going we're gonna to read this this morning, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 11 is where we're going. Verse 11, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And it says this, with this in mind, this is Paul speaking, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power, that he would bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. What a great passage, eh? And I want us to understand two things this morning. Number one, I want you to know that you are not an accident, you are not a mistake, and you're not a cosmic joke. You have been placed here, created and designed by a God who loves you, and he has got great plans for your life, and he has packed you full of potential. There is so much that God has put on the inside of us. So often we look, spend so much time looking down at ourselves and going, oh, there's nothing in me. That's rubbish. God has put so much excellent talents and gifts on the inside of you and on the person next to you. Amen? Yes. And the person next to you. Amen? You know, like on all of us, we've been given these gifts, we've been given these talents, and we've been purpose designed by God for great things in our life. And he knew what he was doing when he made us. I believe that God actually purpose designed us to be alive at this moment in history. And that he has set things up for you and for me, that he wants us to walk in to reveal his glory, which is essentially what I talked about last time. It's all under the surface there, just waiting to come out. But in order, though, for those seeds of potential to sprout, what we have to do is we have to create the right conditions in our life. We have to work with God on our lives to create the conditions under which the potential that is on the inside of us can begin to rise. And that's what God wants us to do this morning. And that's why Paul said, guys, I'm constantly praying for you. Why? Why was he constantly praying? So that God would make them worthy of their calling. 
But don't you think that's an interesting phrase, being made worthy of the calling? It made me think, well, wasn't I worthy before? Didn't Jesus make me worthy just because of what he did on the cross? Yes, he did. But, you know, there's a process as well to be made ready, I think, to be prepared for the call that God has got on our lives. I want us to imagine this morning that a famous celebrity, someone that you really look up to and you really admire, I want you to imagine that they're coming to stay at your place, at your home. And I want you to imagine you've got a spare bedroom there for them to stay in. But at the moment, it's a spare bedroom that's kind of full of a whole lot of stuff. There's boxes in there. There's old bicycles. There's junk. Anyone want to admit they've got a spare room that looks something a little bit like that at home? Or maybe a garage or something? No, you guys are all very tidy out here in, in, in West Auckland. Okay. But I want you to imagine that you've got that. And you know what? It could be argued, but what does a person really need? I mean, all they need is a bed. All they need is somewhere warm and dry reasonably clean. That's all they need, right? To be able to stay. And yet, though, if someone, a celebrity or someone that you really looked up to was coming to stay at your place, how many know you'd be looking at that room and saying, there's some changes it's got to make for that room? <laughs> Why? Because we're making that room worthy for the person who's going to come stay in it. We're getting that room prepared because of who is coming to stay in that room. And, you know, we could argue in the same way, well, you know, can't God just use an ordinary, everyday, slightly broken life like yours and mine? And the answer is absolutely. Absolutely he can. God can do amazing things with very, very little. Amen? Talk to the person next to you and say he's talking about you right there. <laughs> He can do incredible things with very little. But you know what, guys? This is what I want to say this morning. When we get a sense of the call of God that's on our life, when we get a sense of what it is that God has placed into our entrustment, no longer do we just want to say, oh, you know what, I'm just going to stick it out in the outhouse. I'm going to take that call and just fire it in the broom cupboard somewhere away. Oh, I'll get around to it one day. No, we want to pull that thing front and center because we say, you know what, this is so valuable. I want to reorientate my whole life around what it is that God has given me, this call, this sense of purpose that God has put into my life. I want to reorientate my whole life around that. And not only that, but you know what? Looking at my life, maybe there's some things that need to go now. Maybe there's some things that I look at and, and they're just not consistent with what it is that God has, has brought into my life. They, they don't line up. Or maybe there's some things that aren't in my life that do need to be brought into my life. Maybe there's some changes that have to go on to make my life ready and worthy for the call that God has put upon it. Are you with me this morning, church? And listen to me. We don't do these things to try to you know, organize extra favor points with God. To try to make him, I'm going to clean my life up so that God loves me even more. No. You know what? You're his kid. He loves you regardless. God is into you. He is so for you. He delights over you as, as your father. He really does. But you know, the reason that we do this is not to try to improve our relationship with him as much as it is to contain what it is that God is actually pouring out. We prepare our lives and we get our lives ready so that we actually can contain and we can move with what it is that God wants to give us. I actually believe that there are people that God is holding back, giving them everything that he wants to give them simply because their lives aren't ready yet. And they're not prepared to work with him to prepare their lives and get them ready for what it is that God wants to pour out. Are you with me? So with everything within me, I'm saying, you know what? I want to do something with this. And not only that, but the Bible also says this. It says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. They are irrevocable. They are, um, they are unconditional. 
So what that means is that when God created you, he put gifts and talents in your life, and guess what? He won't take them back. It doesn't matter how you live. They're never going to disappear. You can live hard out for God, and they'll be there, and you could walk away from him and do something completely different, and guess what? He won't take them back. Some people have said, you know, how is it that, you know, these famous preachers and stuff can be living in these lives of sin and still walk in power? You know why? Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He doesn't take them back. And that's, a, that's the greatest thing in the world and the biggest challenge at the same time, isn't it? Because, like, it's, it's wonderful for us because it means that our lives don't have to be totally sorted out to walk in his power. But it also is a great challenge for us because it means that we can continue to do things and live compromised lives at the same time. So, you know, but our gifts and callings are unconditional. But listen to me, they're not guaranteed. They're unconditional. They're put into your life unconditionally. But you know what? Just because you've got potential in your life, just because you've got a promise from God, just because you've got a prophecy of something that's going to happen to you, guess what? That thing is not guaranteed for you if you just let it sit in the ground and do nothing with it. It's unconditional. It sits there and it waits and it waits and it waits. It will never be taken back, but it will not fruit and nothing will happen with it until the right conditions come around your life. And guess what? We're responsible for creating the right conditions around our life for those things to go. So, and, and not only that, but you know, the parable of the talents tells us that God actually puts things into our life and one day we're going to have to actually give him an account for what we've done with the gifts and talents that are in our lives. You know, there's that guy, you know, he, he took his gift and he buried it in the ground. You see, it didn't disappear, did it? it didn't, God didn't take it back. He didn't say, no, you're not doing the right thing with it. He let him bury it in the ground. But one day he still had to answer for what was happening with that thing. And I want that to really resonate with us this morning. We've got to catch this. Because one day, every single one of us is going to have to stand before God and we're going to have to give an account for what we have done with the gifts and the talents that he's put in our lives. And when we get that, suddenly that moves it from being an extra for experts, you know, special Christians, you know, all the hard out guys who are really doing, that actually brings it front and center for us and says, you know what, we've actually got to do something with this. Because one day I'm going to have to give an account. You know what, all those gifts and those talents that God has put in your life, he hasn't just put it in there for you to go, hey, I've got gifts and talents in my life. He's put it in there to produce fruit to actually begin to change and affect the world around you. And you've got a responsibility to start to do something with it. And, you know, that might kind of, you know, make your hair stand up on end a little bit this morning, but if it does, good! <laughs> Excellent! If I can provoke you to some action this morning and get you moving in what it is that God has called you to do, then I've done my job. Because, you know what, I mean, I don't want to just come here and just, you know, deliver a nice little message. I want to fire you guys up in Jesus' name. Come on. There's greater things yet to come for this church. There's greater things yet to come for your life. And a lot of it is just all waiting, but we've got to create these environments around it. So how do we do this? And uh, the answer here is in the last part of verse 11. It says this, that by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness. Everyone say every desire for goodness. And your every deed prompted by faith. Every deed prompted by faith. He would bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. So according to this, the change that we need to see in our lives comes about in two ways. And the first way is by tapping in to our desire for goodness. You know something that I love? And you see this change happen when somebody gets saved. Don't you love it when somebody comes into the kingdom for the very first time? 
I mean, I tell you, man, I love to see signs and wonders and healings and miracles. I love all of that. But there is nothing like seeing a life changed by Jesus Christ. You know, when you see someone who's been broken and hurt and their life has been blown to bits and they come to Jesus and then suddenly it's like all the lights go on. And you know what? If, if you're sitting here this morning, you haven't had that experience of a real relationship with Jesus, we're going to give you an opportunity at the end to be able to meet him. And I tell you what, it is, it is the single best decision you will ever make in your life. But you know, something happens though inside a person when the Holy Spirit comes to live in there. And what happens is that suddenly they start to look around certain parts of their life and they just don't want to live like that anymore. You know, there's, there's bits of their life that they look at and they go, you know what, that just doesn't fit with who God has made me to be. And they struggle. And you will be identifying with this maybe this morning, with that, that sense of struggle. You look at certain parts of your life and you say, you know what, I don't want to be like that anymore. I keep saying this thing or I keep doing these things or these, these habits or these addictions or these things that are going on in my life and I don't want to be like that anymore. And you know what that is? That's a desire for goodness and that desire has been put there by God. So you can actually, in a way, even though you're wrestling with it, even though you may not have the victory in that area yet, I want to encourage you this morning that if that is in your heart that God is already at work. The Holy, that's actually an evidence that the Holy Spirit is working on the inside of you if you've got that kind of discontention going on with things that are going on in your life. You know why? Because if God wasn't working on the inside of you, you say, well, I don't care. It's just me. That's just who I am. But when the Holy Spirit comes in, you start looking and going, yeah, I don't want to be like that. That's not me. That's not the person that God is making me to be. And so that's what it means by a desire for goodness. We want to change. We want things to be different. But how many people have found that change is pretty hard? I mean, some areas of your life, you get the change almost for free, right? Uh, I mean, I can think of times in my life, you know, I've struggled with something and I've gone forward for prayer and some anointed person has prayed for me and boom, I've been set free. Anyone had that happen for them in their life? You know, and that's awesome. There's been certain things that literally just got divinely taken off my life and I want that to happen in every part, amen? I want to know where the altar call is that I could just go to. Somebody lays hands on me and I just get delivered of everything and I never have to work another day in my life, amen? Somebody tell me where that church is. Somebody tell me who that preacher is. You just lay hands on me and deliver me from everything and suddenly I'm sorted out. But what I've found though in my life and I've seen it in others is that the Lord divinely sets us free from a whole bunch of stuff. But then there are other things where he kind of almost like leaves them in there for us to fight. And, you know, there is other parts of my life where change has come hard. <laughs> Anyone want to relate to that this morning? <laughs> and you're like, yep, I'm working on that thing. And you know, sometimes we can be working on that thing for months, for years, you know, and it keeps coming back and sometimes it can be so frustrating and sometimes it's hard because we think it's the event that changes us. But actually the event doesn't change us, it's the process that changes us. And it's the process that actually gets us ready. You know, um, I, was, uh, I was thinking, you know, so often we get those moments of inspiration, don't we? You know, where it's like, you know what, I'm going to change something in my life. And sometimes we get this at the start of a new year. Or sometimes you go to a conference or you hear a really great preacher preach on something. You're like, man, I'm going to do that. I'm going to put that thing in my life. So I don't know, maybe you come along to church and somebody does a really great message on devotions. And you're like, you know what, I'm going to do this thing. I'm absolutely going to sort this area of my life out. You know, my whole devotionals with God. But I'm going to get up every morning at 5 a.m. and I'm going to pray for two hours before I go to work. It's going to be awesome. And I don't know how it rolls for you, but I've certainly found sometimes in my life when I want to change, the process looks something like this. Monday morning, I set my alarm for 5 a.m. 
And the first time, I'm already awake at 4.50 and I'm looking at the alarm like this and I'm waiting for it to go off. It goes off and I'm up and I'm two hours, of, you know, praying it up a storm, reading my Bible, everything. Going on in the day, I'm killing it today. Yeah, me and Jesus, we're rocking it. Tuesday morning comes around, the alarm goes off. I don't, I'm not quite awake at 4.50 this time, but the alarm wakes me up. You know, so I get up. Don't pray quite as hard as the morning before because I'm a little tired from the day yesterday. But, but you know, I'm still in there, right? Day three, the alarm goes off and I hit the snooze button three times. <laughs> I know this would never happen to you. And then by the time I get up, you know, there's only like 20 minutes left before I've got to leave. And so I quickly pray and I get out the door. Thursday rolls around, alarm goes off, and then I just start contemplating the Lord's grace. <laughs> and I just start thinking about, you know what? God can meet me anywhere, right? You know, just uh, <laughs> even while I'm lying here in bed, I could just. Uh, <laughs> By Friday, the alarm's gone off. <laughs> I'm not doing the alarm anymore because, you know, it's bringing condemnation into my life now, so. <laughs> Amen. You know, the, the fact is that um, studies have shown that less than 25% of people who start a resolution will be keeping it by the end of that month, and by the end of the following month, that number's down to 8%. And you know what the world says to us? You know what? Don't try. <laughs> it's like Homer Simpson, you know, he, son, never try. <laughs> never try. But you know what? That's what the world often says to us. It's like, you know what? Don't even try to push. Don't even try to, because you're just going to fail, and when you fail... You're just going to feel so stank, you're never going to want to do it again. You know, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus calls you to a high call. And he says, you know what, you keep going. You keep fighting that thing. Because, you know what, that's why I've given you grace. Yes, you're going to fall. But the Bible says that the righteous man, though he falls seven times, yet he will rise again. You know, and I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you've been fighting something in your life and maybe you've been fighting it for years. Maybe it's been a hard battle and maybe you're at the point of giving up and you're looking and you, in a way you're just wanting to try to find a theology that you can tap into now that doesn't convict you anymore about it. Amen. Because this is what goes on in churches. Totally is. You know, we, us Christians, we're really good at fighting theologies that suit our convenience. <laughs> Come on, I know that happens out here in West Auckland as well. We find the stuff, you know. But I want to encourage you, keep pressing on to the high call. You keep fighting that thing. You know why? Because, yes, you may fail, but the change comes in the process. The change comes in the day by day. The change comes when you keep coming back and you keep rising up again and you keep saying, you know what? I don't care if I have to fight this thing for months, for years, or for the rest of my life. I'm going to keep fighting it because it's worth it. This thing doesn't belong in my life anymore. This thing's got to go. I've got to move this thing out. You know why? Because of the greatness of the call that God has put on my life. I'm going to keep fighting this thing. That's what it means when it says your every desire for goodness. You nurture that desire for goodness, guys. Don't let it, don't let it die. And, and, and I love what it says here too. I love that word every. Every desire for goodness and your every work of faith. You know, it all counts. The big stuff, the small stuff, all of it counts. All of it matters. So your every desire for goodness and, the Bible says, your every work of faith. What that basically means is that we grow in the call of God as we get out of the boat and we have a crack at what it is that he's called us to do. Amen? It's when you take the desire for goodness and you actually do something about it. It's got a prop here. 
President John F. Kennedy, in one of his last speeches, he quoted a guy called Frank O'Connor, the Irish writer, who told in one of his books about how as a boy, he and his friends would make their way across the countryside. And when they came to an orchard wall that seemed too high and too doubtful to try and too difficult to permit their voyage to continue, they took off their hats and they tossed them over the wall and they had no choice but to follow them. Isn't that a great picture? They come to a wall, they come to something that was going to stop them in their tracks. And they said, you know what, they took off their hats and they threw them over the wall. Why did they do that? Because then they would be forced to follow them. They knew they'd get in trouble with mum and dad if they came home without their hats. <laughs> so they had to follow, they had to go and get their hats. And what it did is it committed them, it pushed them into something which they wouldn't have done otherwise. John Wimber used to say, faith is spelt R-I-S-K. And you know what? Sometimes, I reckon, in life, we've just got to throw our hat over the wall. Sometimes we reach points where there's fear or we reach points where we can't see the way forward or anything like that or there's some obstacle. And you know what faith does? What the work of faith does? It just says, well, you know what? My destiny is over that wall, so I'm going to throw my hat over the wall and I'm going to figure out how to follow it. I'm going to commit to this thing. I'm going to make it, make it happen. You know, um, when I was about 17, 18, 19, somewhere around then, I remember being in a church meeting, and I came up the front for an altar call, and I was just down there by myself. No one was praying for me. And I just had one of those moments with God, and God spoke to me so clearly. And he, at that moment, he said something to me, which I didn't really understand at the time. He said, Peter, I'm calling you to be an apostle. And I didn't understand what that meant. And I'm careful about that kind of language because, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not one of these people who likes to go around with business cards, you know, I'm, you know, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, Peter, but, you know, <laughs> just you name it, I do it, right? You know, come here, you know, same hag at every window. So um, the, uh, I, I'm, I'm not like that at all. And I didn't really even understand, what it, understand at the time what it meant. So I went and talked to somebody about it and I said, well, what does that mean? And they listed off a whole bunch of things. But one of the things that they said was that they said, oh, you know, something else that apostle people often do is they plant churches. You know, and, and when I was 19, I mean, that didn't really mean a lot to me. I didn't want to plant a church. I didn't even want to pastor a church. I still don't even want to pastor a church. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm the, I am literally, you talk to my family and my family, I'm the most reluctant pastor in the world, you know. I would absolutely much rather, because I reckon, man, like so many people are like, yeah, I want to, you know, seriously, if you've had to have this job for five minutes, man, I just want to support the guy who's doing it. I just want to hold, I just want to hold his hands up, man. I'll be Aaron and her, just holding up the hands of the guy who has to do this job. It's just, it's a terrible job. <laughs> and yet, it's what God has called me to do. Actually, I do love it. I, I mock a little bit. But, I mean, having said that, though, I didn't, I didn't want to pastor a church, let alone plant churches. But it's interesting, though, isn't it? That what God can put in your heart. And sometimes at a time, you, you're not ready for it, but then God works in your life. So about three years ago, four years ago, the Lord started to speak to me about planting churches. And I just remember having a bit of a discussion with him in which I told him that I thought he was crazy. <laughs> and the reason was that our church is not sorted out. Like there's holes you could drive a bus through in our church. <laughs> there's so many issues. There's so many problems. I think we've got to, you know, I remember saying to the Lord, God, surely we've got to get our, our stuff set up, you know, and worked out before we try to export this thing. Why, why would we take this chaos somewhere else? I mean, this is, this is nuts, you know. Um, I don't know if anyone else ever feels like that. It's just how I feel. 
So I remember having this conversation with him, but he wouldn't let up on it. He was like, no, you got to, and, and it just kept coming back. And then he started giving me a location, which was Pukekohe. He just kept saying Pukekohe. And I, I'd been to Pukekohe once. I, I barely knew where it was. I knew it was south, you know, <laughs> down there somewhere. Knew nothing about this place. But then my, my wife and I went away for our anniversary down to Wanaka, and we had a wonderful time down there. And while we were there, from morning to night, the Lord just kept bugging me, just going, Pukekohe, 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 Pukekohe. He just did not shut up all weekend. <laughs> Ruined my wonderful weekend away with my wife. <laughs> no, it was actually, it was still wonderful, but, you know, he, he did not let up. And so I came back from that, and I'm like, you know what, I think I need to do something about this. Because I know one day I'm going to rock up, and I'm going to have to look at him face to face. And if he's been that clear about it, and I haven't done anything about it, then, you know, I'm going to, it's not going to be good. So... I sat down with our elders team, and I fully expected them to kind of look at me and just go, yeah, nah, <laughs> we shouldn't be doing this. And they all looked at me and they said, you know what, Pete, we reckon we should do this. I'm like, really? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah, we should. And I talked with some other pastors and leaders, and they were like, Peter, you, you should be doing this. This is great. And so, you know, and I really struggled with it because I was looking and going, man, I don't know how this thing's going to work. I don't know who the pastors are. I don't know how the things, I don't know how we're going to meet. I don't know how we're going to get money for this thing. I, I, I just don't even know. I don't even know anyone at Pukekohe. I mean, this is, this is crazy. And yet, I knew, though, that God was calling me to do it. And so there came this moment, and I just share this by way of illustration, but we, we celebrated our 20-year anniversary as a church last year. And in August, literally a year ago, probably right now, actually, literally a year ago today, and I stood up in front of the church and I said, hey guys, I've got an announcement to make this morning. We're going to plant a church in Pukekohe. And the place was like, yeah! And, and I'm like, <laughs> But you know what I did in that moment? In that moment, by standing up and announcing it, I took my hat and I threw it over the wall. And I knew by doing that that I was committing myself to something that scared the living daylights out of me. But I knew that it was what God was calling me to do next. And I want to challenge you this morning because, you know what, I come across so many great Christian people who've got so many dreams. Visions and prophecies and words that have been spoken over their life. And I meet up with them and they tell me about it. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. You should do that. And then I see them again two years later. And I'm like, man, are you doing anything? Oh, no, no. I should, I should probably get going with that, I suppose. You've got one life. You don't know how long you're here for. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't keep putting your stuff in the ground. If you've been sitting on something for over a year, and I'm speaking to people here this morning, if you're sitting on a dream or a vision, and it's still off in the one day, in the maybe, in the eventually I get there, today is the day. If you need a sign from God, here's your sign. You need a word from God, I'm speaking to you this morning. It's time to get your hat and throw it over the wall. And say, you know what, I'm going to do this thing. I'm not going to keep messing around. I'm going to commit myself, and we're going to see this thing happen. You see, the work of faith opens the door for the gift and the calling to actually take place. It will only ever stay a seed in your life until these two things happen. Number one, you, uh, you get that good intention and those, those good desires to start moving stuff out of your life that's stopping you from growing. And then number two, you start opening the door with a walk of faith. You throw your cap over the wall and you say, well, you know what, I'm committing to this. I'm going to do something with it. How many believe this morning that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is alive and well in you? Amen. Look at the person next to you and say, he's talking to you right now. You know, the, the power of Jesus Christ is alive 
and well in your life. And here's what I love, man. Philippians 2.13, it says this, For it is God who wills and works within you to fulfill His good purpose. I get this picture of Jesus almost being on the inside, the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, going, come on! Kind of pushing and, you know, and we're like, oh, I don't know, maybe one day. He's like, come on! He's like in there trying to push out, you know, trying to get your body over the wall, get you into the thing that God has actually called you to do. So it comes simply down to these three things, I believe. Number one, agree with the call of God in your life. Stop doubting it. Stop when someone prophesies over you, oh, no, that can't possibly be me. Just agree with it. Say, okay. Fine. <laughs> I'm called to be a, an international singer. I've never even opened my mouth. That's fine. I'm just going to agree with that call today. Praise the Lord. I might want to go get some singing lessons, but you know, I'm going to agree with it. Number two, I'm going to keep nurturing the good desires to work on areas that are holding me back. And number three, I'm going to throw my hat over the wall. I'm just going to have a go. Anika and I have got a really good friend, a lady in our church, and uh, she's an incredibly talented artist. And um, she was sharing with us recently how terrified she was about the first time that she approached a gallery to show her work. She was so terrified. And, and all these words kept coming to her year after year about moving in art and doing stuff with it. And so she finally reached the point where she was like, you know what, I need to actually do something with this. So she got all the women to pray, and she went and she approached the art gallery, and you know what, they loved her work. They took it, and today she's regularly exhibiting in galleries. Today she's regularly selling these paintings. I mean, she's incredibly talented at it. You know what? But what she had to do, number one, she agreed with the call of God in her life. Number two, she identified the areas that were holding her back, fear. And number three, she threw her hat over the wall and she had to go. And I want to ask you again this morning, what are you sitting on that you've been sitting on for far too long? What's the call of God that's going on in your life? What are those gifts and those talents that at the moment you keep sticking those things in the ground and you know it's time for you to get those things out of the ground and actually put them into action? You see, where it all begins is with a relationship with God. And I just wonder if I can grab the worship team, if you guys could come up, or maybe just a keyboardist. And if we could sing that song, Make Me a Vessel, what a wonderful song that is. It's just... But you know, as we're just kind of coming in for a close this morning, you know, from time to time, I don't watch a lot of TV. I'm not a huge TV guy, but from time to time, I'll, I'll tune into something that's on. And uh, I don't know if, if anyone's ever watched that, that series, The Hotel Inspector. Anyone ever seen that? You know, that lady who goes into these hotels that are kind of, you know, not doing so well. And she'll go in there and she'll basically kind of look around. And it's interesting to me because in the few episodes that I've seen of these things, generally, all the potential is there, but the owners are so involved in their own little pet thing that they've got particular things that they refuse to change on. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because we watch from the outside and we're like, you idiot, just do what she says and you'll be successful, right? And isn't it interesting because so often, you know, we say to God, oh, Lord, I give you my life. Come and change anything. And he goes, oh, well, how about that? And you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, don't mess with that. That's important to me, Lord. That's my thing, you know. That's, that's what makes me unique. <laughs> And the, and the Lord says, actually, no, that's what needs to move. You know why? Because I'm wanting to bring about something in your life. And that thing's standing in the way. That thing's holding you back. You know what? This morning you're not an accident. You've been created and designed and put together for a purpose and a plan. And I absolutely believe, you know what? I, I, I think God's plans will always come to pass. But I think sometimes there's sadness in the Father's heart because he actually looks and he's, he's got something for you. And you don't step up. And so he's got to find another way to work it. 
I believe it will always come to pass, the things that he's got, but I think sometimes there's things that we miss out on because we're not prepared to stand up and actually do the things that he's called us to do. And sometimes we're not, pre- we're not prepared to stand up because we're not prepared in the first place. Because the seed's sitting there in our soil, but we, we're not working with the good desires to move the stuff out from around it, and we're not prepared to take our cap and throw it over the wall and say, you know what, I'm going to do something about it. You see, all of this really comes down to this, that your life is never really going to work apart from Jesus Christ being in it. Never will. And he's not going to barge his way into your life. You know, like the hotel inspector, they invite the hotel inspector in. And Jesus isn't going to come barging his way into your life. But if you ask him, he will come in. And he will come and he will make your life what you could never make it on your own. And listen, your life won't work without him. Jesus has rigged life to make sure that it won't work without him. Because the, the, the talents and the gifts can only come to life by his power. And the opportunities that he's calling you to walk in can only come through his connections. There's an entire life that God has got ready for you. But we have to surrender to him. We have to let him call the shots. So you, you want my advice this morning? Don't argue with him. Invite him to come in, put your whole life in front of him, and anything that he says, if this thing's got to go, clean it out. If this thing's got to come in, do it. If that friendship, you've got to walk away from it, then you walk away from it. If this sin is holding you back, then you're like, I'm going to keep fighting that thing to my dying breath, but that thing is on the way out. I'm not going to argue with him anymore. I'm just going to put my whole life in front of him. And there is nothing that he will ever ask you to give up that won't ultimately be worth it, I believe, in the end. You know what? 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to earth. He came as a baby. He lived a sinless life, and he died on a cross to reconnect us with God. That is the essence of the gospel, that we could never reach God by ourselves. But through his blood and through his sacrifice, we can. And I want to encourage you this morning. You might be in one of a number of places. I don't know everybody here today. But maybe you've come in here this morning. Maybe it's your first time. Or you've been here a few times. And you have never actually had that conversation with God where you said, Okay, Lord, I'm going to open my heart and I'm actually going to let you come in and have your way. Can I encourage you? Today is your day. Right here, right now is your moment. And don't keep putting it off because you don't know how much longer you've got. You don't know if you've even got this week, this week. You need to make that decision today. Or maybe you're in the place where you did that a few years ago or maybe recently or whatever, but you've drifted and you're no longer walking with God the way that you know that you should be. Again, today is your day. We're going to open the altar in a moment. You can come. You can get your life right with God. There is no judgment in this house. All of us have been in this place in one time or another. Amen? Or maybe you're in this third category, and I suspect a number of you will be, where you're looking at a wall that's in your life, and you know that you've been looking at that wall far too long, and today it's time for you to pick up your hat and throw it over the wall. And what I have found myself is that sometimes something gets solidified in my life when I get out of my seat and I actually come to the front and I don't do it for the preacher or the pastor or for anyone else, but I do it simply because I want to demonstrate to God that I'm serious about this. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if that's you, if you know that something needs to shift in your life, this is a holy covenant. This, I'm, I'm not looking, James and Viv aren't looking, no one else is. This is entirely between you and God. But if you come up the front this morning, then I want you to do something this week that's going to throw that cap over the wall.
Put yourself out there in some way. Say, okay, I'm going to own this. I'm going to do this thing. So why don't we just stand here this morning. And Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for your word and for your power. Father, I thank you this morning, Lord God, for these good desires that you have put on the inside of us. I thank you, Lord, for the works of faith that are in front of us. And I thank you, Lord, that for all of this stuff, Lord, that it is about containing the great call and preparing and ridding ourselves for what it is that you have called us to. Lord, I thank you. As I look across this room, I see incredible potential in the lives of all of these people. I thank you, Lord God, that you have called them and made them for this moment. And in Jesus' name, I pray that they would stand up, that they would rise up. And I pray that together, that this church would become influential and powerful in this part of the city, God. That things will begin to move and shift and shake as united your people with one heart and one voice begin to rise up together and all together start throwing their hats over the wall and saying, we're going to do this. We're going to take this. We're going to see things change. Holy Spirit, I'm asking for your power to change, to come in this room this morning, God. Holy Spirit, empowerment to come in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, as we respond this morning, Lord, that it would not just be because of the words of a human, Lord, but I pray that we'd be responding because we're hearing the call of God in our heart. So right here, right now, if this is you this morning, if you're in either one of those three places, number one, you've never given your life to Jesus and you need to do that today. Number two, you did, and you, but you have drifted and you need to recommit. Or number three, if you're in the place of today, you know what, I'm going to make a decision. I'm throwing my hat over the wall. There's an area of my life that is, it, it's going to change now. And today is the day. If you're in any three of those places, why don't you come forward? Just fill up the altar right here, right now. Come forward.